This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to the MK1 podcast, your audio hub for everything Milton Keynes Dons. Well, 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 Joe. Um, what a couple of days it's been. Uh, first off, how are you? Yeah, I think I've just about recovered from Tuesday night. I was I was walking out and someone was said to me, How about that? And I just said, I'm bloody knackered after that. It was just uh, it was all encompassing and uh yeah, it's uh uh it's um, a couple of days to recover and I think as well it's good to have a couple of days to actually kind of just uh let the dust settle a little bit and um so yeah, no, it's gonna be um, I'm actually looking for lots to talk about, don't you think, Lou? Yeah, yeah, I think that's the main thing we can take from um, the sort of past four days. There is lots to talk about. And I think, you know, it, it's almost like we completely forgot that we, we beat Swindon at the weekend 2-1 because there's so much happened on Tuesday night and there's been so much like a reaction to it and been so much news as well that, yeah, I, I, I almost forgot we actually played the game in some respects. But obviously we, we did beat Swindon 2-1 and it... And, you know, as I think you'd expect from a Don's team after, you know, what happened against Bradford midweek and that's sort of the, well, the collapse at the back. You know, we had a really fast start and obviously Stephen Worm was the man of the hour getting two goals in the space of, like five, I think it was five minutes in the end. He but... was the man of the minute, really. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, man of the minutes. But yeah, absolutely, yeah. A really, really fast start. And obviously it was it was system where we saw sort of Kempe, Gilby and, and Wern, um being that sort of front three in it. And yeah, Swindon obviously, well, through their own mistakes or some good football from Dons, just kind of killed the game in the first nine minutes, really. Of course, Charlie Austin got one back towards the end and typical Dons made it uncomfortable for themselves in some respects, but obviously saw the win out and um, obviously a valuable three points. I think I think if we had a recorded a preview to that game, I would have said if we can't score goals against Swindon, I'd be very concerned. Uh, considering with prior to that game, they had 105 goals in their in their league games this season. But obviously, Joe got a job done against Swindon uh, and an invaluable three points on the board. Absolutely, yeah. And I think I think as well, it, it's a very different game for the fact that it's two 0 after eight or nine minutes. I think you you saw that when it was sort of level, it was you know we were looking really sharp, really sort of up for it. I guess. 
the only criticism would be that maybe we didn't necessarily create loads of chances for the rest of the game. But if we needed to, perhaps we would have, if that makes sense. I think, um, you know, we were solid enough. I think even though Swindon had a lot of the ball in the second half and maybe, you know, after we scored our goals in the first half, they didn't necessarily create much. So I guess that's a bonus. Um, but for me, the main positive, well, two positives really, and the both of them go into the Wrexham game as well, was the goalkeeper and the striker. Two vital positions, which we've maybe just been a little bit unsettled in recent times. And I think in Stephen Wern, we've got someone who's similar to Max Dean in the fact that he's, what do we need from that position? It's someone that just works like an absolute dog who chases down lost causes and turns them into not lost causes and who leads the press from the front. Now, in people like Matt Dennis or Ellis Harrison, you have players that are undoubtedly talented. However, you don't have what Max Dean has been so pivotal at doing this season. And I think that that's what Stephen Wern brought to the team on both Saturday and Tuesday. Um, So I think just work rate alone, I think it just helped so much, especially as there were periods where we didn't have the ball and, you know, there were periods where he did have to, you know, help do the help lead the press, especially um, on, on Saturday when, you know, Swindon did have quite a lot of ball, to be fair. But I guess when you go and 2-0 up um, after 10 minutes away from home, you're always going to be sort of not penned in as such, but you're going to be expected to be without the ball for a lot of the game. And it is going to be the home team that are pushing. So that's one thing for me. Um, the second thing I think it, which I touched on was the goalkeeper. Again, not necessarily called upon too much at Swindon. A couple of nice, you know, moments. The goal ultimately was a good header, good ball into the box. Not necessarily his fault. Um, we well, could say that pro- pro- about both goals he conceded over the period. Now I'm sure we'll get into him more, um, but I just think that he was very calm at the back, and I just think that that helped. Now, that's not a slight on Marshall. I think it was more just because we've been chopping and changing goalkeepers and Kelly, especially on Tuesday night, really came to the party. And um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm one of them people that saw the lineup and thought, you know, and that was, you know, going back to Tranmere, but fair play to the bloke. He's... You can see as well that another thing I'd just like to credit him with is he's not necessarily got the coolness of Marshall on the ball, but you can see he he's trying. To, I think he I think he really learned from his Reading appearance, uh, Liam. Oh, absolutely, think, yeah. That Reading performance think, was a yeah. bit of a shocker. And you can see that he's trying and he's thinking um, and he's trying to spread the play. He's trying to play it into midfield, but he's not doing so and so for the sake of doing it. And I think that's one thing that's really been encouraging is that he's played when he can, but he knows the limitations and he's not tried to be a hero and he has gone long when needed. So we'll get on to Michael Kelly a bit more, I'm sure, but just I wanted to note that both sort of key changes to the team for both games, I guess, and two that I think both can, you know, I think Wern will probably stay there for the foreseeable and Kelly well, when Marshall is fit, if he's fit, I think um, 
is it an automatic he comes back in? I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk more about that later, I guess. But um, certainly um, not done his case any harm at all. Yeah, uh, I agree with both points, mate. And I think I think there is a big debate actually now. As, as you said, as you said, when, when Marshall comes back, which I mean, there's, I mean, whether you believe it or not, people reckon he's gone back to Villa to get back fit, and he's not actually at the moment. There seems to be a whole lot of he said, she said at the moment in regards to where he's at currently. But obviously, he's not on the first eleven. Kelly is and taking advantage of his of his opportunity and really enjoying his football as he put on his post match presser in the Wrexham game. But yeah, that front three um, worked really well actually against Swindon, didn't it? And I think one of the main criticisms that we especially got from the Bradford game was the was a final ball being being quite poor. Obviously, the first goal kind of creates itself with that mistake at the back, but the second goal in particular. I was a fantastic ball from Kempi uh, into into Wern for his second, and I was going to say I said to you before the recording, Joe, that if we had did that Bradford Bradford uh, review, I would have given Kemp a bit of pelters to be honest, because it's like he's out there for a bit of a cardio session to be honest. Um, but obviously he bounced back in this game, and, and obviously the Wrexham game as well with getting a goal and an assist, and the Swindon game in particular, obviously a bit of a I say a game where they controlled it from the off a bit more, but. I felt he was much more sort of fluent in his movement. He was definitely getting involved on the ball and on the ball a lot more. And I think it was obviously going back to the, the where he used to play um, earlier in the season, of course, maybe gave him an extra bit of spark. But I think in general, like stats-wise, eye test-wise, arguably his best performance I might have seen in a Don shirt, to be honest, at Swindon. Yeah, he was, and he was absolutely electric and he could have... You know, he, there was so many just near near moments for him as well where he could have added to his tally or picked up another assist. And I think another thing to note is that one, the pitch, it plays such a huge part. I think you look at the first goal, um, I think it's Bate that plays a ball through and it's a really good ball through to Lofthouse, but it's a good ball because it asks the question of the goalkeeper and ultimately the goalkeeper gets it wrong. Um because if, if he just stays back, the defender probably gets to that and just clears it away for a corner or a, a throw-in. However, there's, you know, the miscommunication and Lofthouse does really well just staying on it. Um, but that comes from a bit of quality from which we just didn't have at the Bradford game. And it's just a bit of quality, cut through them uh, from bait. And then it's a similar with with the, the, the assist Dan Kemp got for Wern's second, where... He crosses it. It's nice, really nice little bit of interplay. Um, actually, just while we're on that, so you can see it even better on the clubs. Um, they do like a little on the road section as um, yeah, now, a little yeah. video, and uh, they've been brilliant. So you know, fair play to them. We I know we're first quick to slag them off when they get something wrong, but yeah, yeah, say, no. you know, kudos for that. Credit, credit um, to Joe and, and Rob, Rob Robson on that. I think that's really good, actually. Yeah, no, absolutely, really good, and. Um, but a hell of a ball in from Kemp as well. And I think, you know, just w- one thing that we lamented a lot in the Bradford game was our play up to the final third was actually quite good. And that's what I thought anyway. I know a lot of other people may have had different ideas, but I was quite, you know, with Mike Williamson and the fact that I thought, A, the defending was absolutely horrific, but B, we didn't play that bad. We just let ourselves down with some horrific defending and, I think in particular, you know, Warren O'Hara, I don't mean to dig people out, but had a part to play all four goals at Bradford. I know we didn't get to cover it um, last week on the podcast, but um, I think that as well as 
you know, the attackers doing their bit and actually, you know, creating a few more chances, being a bit more incisive, better movement. Dan Kemp especially, as you say, I think as well that when it did come to Swindon getting near our goal, um, another key reason for the win was the fact that we were putting bodies on the line and I thought that that was really pleasing aspect of the win as well, as well as the, you know, the nice stuff from Dan Kemp and the creativity and especially on on Tuesday night as well, a bit of grit and a bit of, you know, grinding. I mean, this is the running now. You know, I know at the start of the season, I'm all about performances and XG and I say, oh, don't matter, we've got loads of games left. But I think, you know, 12, 13 games left now, it's, who gives a crap? It's about points on the table, isn't it? Um, and if you can play well, then you've probably got a better chance to get points on the table. But we showed some really good qualities in both games, I think, at the back as well as going forward. Absolutely. And I, I think uh, the points on the board uh, point is a good one because I think we should have two more points on the board, Joe. Do you agree? I think we certainly should have, yes. And and potentially an extra player available for selection. Yeah. <laughs> um, Yes, um, oh, I mean, you're going. Do you want to lead us into Tuesday night and give us a little synopsis? Try and keep it under a minute. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, I'll try my best. Um, well, I said I said to you on the phone yesterday, Joe. Like, I think even even when we scored, even when we see the first goal from the set piece, I was absolutely my blood was boiling because I, I I hate conceding goals set pieces. I really do. Um, and obviously, when it's I know it's, it's well, it was a set really piece, good enough. one though. Yeah, well, that, I know. Genuinely, I know, but... from from Wrexham, it, that was a fantastic set piece. I thought. Um, but besides and it the was point, a near like... post one as well, which always yeah, it was. And always that, makes, that makes it even worse. Infuriates me that even more. And and it was James McLean, who I, personally I don't have a problem with, but I know some people do. But then he decides yeah. to celebrate in front of the fans, and we'd actually played quite well. It was all it had all the makings of. Um... Oh, I I mean. Yeah, you carry on. Sorry, you carry on. <laughs> no, that's all right. Um, yeah, obviously one 0 down from that set piece. As Joe said, I think a pretty well executed one, but again, like so so frustrating that you can see that type of goal. Um, because I I actually think from open play, like yeah, they had their chances fair enough. Um, particularly in the second half, but I think overall, like again, from going back on the Swindon form, I thought the defensive was defensive side of things was okay. Um, but yeah, I think set pieces wise, I don't know if it's his own or marking, whatever it is, but it's just, every time we can see the set piece, I think they're going to score the opposition team, and it's it's a bit worrying, especially particularly with our like some of the height of our players compared to the other lads. And obviously, we know with Wrexham, they're not not exactly the smallest bunch of players, so um, yeah, frustrating. But obviously, you know, we got a goal back within four minutes. Kempi with a lovely finish on his right foot, um, make it one all. And that felt a pretty fair reflection of the game, to be honest. I thought both sides had their chances. Um, obviously, Dons were, as as they usually are, a bit risky at the back with the football. But overall, it created chances where they could counter-attack and get the ball going through the channels, etc., etc. And obviously, Wrexham, with the counter-press, were trying to do the same thing and catch us out. Uh, and they almost did quite a few times, to be fair. Um, and then, yeah, the second half comes around. And, wow, yeah, it, it was something. Obviously... The goal that never was a goal um, happened. I, I honestly, the only, I mean, obviously we'll talk about this in a second, but the only rationale I could possibly come up with for this not being a goal was the linesman must have seen or thought that he saw the keeper like collect the ball for the first attempt, sort of sidestep to the, the, on his touchline a little bit. 
And then as that happened, the keeper obviously kneed it into the goal and Lino was nowhere near the line, so he couldn't give an accurate to judge on what happened. And nor could the ref because he couldn't see what the hell was going on either. But everyone everyone in that ground for it was a goal by those two people, well, which uh, is absolutely mental. Yeah, I mean, we might as well just talk about that now, but that's what exactly what I thought. I, I genuinely, you know, I appealed for it because you have to appeal for it. But as soon as I appealed for it and went mad, I was turned to, uh, I think it was Camden Paul sat next to me and I said, yeah, that was never over the line. Because we saw him sort of gather it. But I think what we didn't see from where we were in, in the in the heart of it in block of 11, which, <laughs> by the way, I think I could have gone in shorts and T-shirts. It was bloody boiling. Yeah, it was boiling. Oh, it's, my God. It was yeah. like AFC, weren't it? It's just so, when it, when it gets going, it really generates good atmosphere. And um, I think, um, yeah, I, we don't see him near it. We don't see him, it touches knee, and his knee then be on the goal line and the ball in the side. We don't see that from our angle. And... You know, I'm one of the biggest people ever who says about the curvature of the ball and things like, you know, when people moan about corner kicks being off the line and I'm just like, no, the ball's curved, you know, don't be an idiot. But I'm sorry, when the ball is touching the side netting and the knee is past the goal line, I think you probably have to give it a goal at that point. And... Yeah. Look, I guess they err on the side of caution because it's such a big moment, and yeah, I don't, I don't know. You, you, the only thing you can say is, like as you say, he doesn't realise that the second, you know, because he, he goes to do it with his hand, and then his hand, his, the knee hits the hand, and his momentum takes him a bit further back, doesn't it? Um, but Liam, but... what happened after the goal? <laughs> Well, it's yeah, exactly. Ensued. So, uh, Dean Lewington, um, I mean, he, he must have called the ref a cheat or something. He must have something along um, those lines. We've heard it. Yeah, we've heard something along those lines. Unconfirmed, by Cause, the way. Uh, obviously, um, to get a straight red card for dissent is what you would assume what it was. Uh, it's going to be a pretty <laughs> serious thing to say. He, he expressed that he perhaps disagreed with the decision, are we saying? Yes, yes, yeah, exactly. Um so obviously he got sent off straight away, which is a bit frustrating with all of our defensive injuries. Obviously, he'll be out of the Newport and the AFC game. Obviously, it's a two-match ban for a straight red card. So another defender down, as well as Cameron Norman now being injured um, due to some bruised ribs, I believe. And uh, even the players aren't the clever that defenders are getting injured because Charlie Waller's also out for the season now. So it's uh, it's all happening at once, but... Yeah, obviously, I think I think that Louis situation. I I I saw two angles to this. So, so I suppose there's people, you know, wanting our wanting our captain to stand up for what he believes is wrong, and I completely understand that. And I also stand with that as well. But there's also the angle of, you know, I don't think I don't think supporting or like or cheering him on for doing that is also the right angle. If that makes any sense? Because um, obviously he could have potentially cost the the team the game obviously the ref the ref didn't to some extent but i can kind of see both angles and people talk about that in terms of okay yeah he's back in the lads in terms of on the pitch but um <clears throat> as he said it his the sort of red mist took over in his talk sport interview and unfortunately he's now out for the next two games but yeah it happened i mean we move on i suppose and obviously matt dennis came onto the pitch and he got in with, with a tussle with will boyle um, and to be honest, 
Joe, do you think it was a dive? Yeah, honestly, yeah. that was I, I. As soon as he, yeah. So for obviously, so so Will Boyle then gets about ten minutes later, he gets a second yellow card. Yeah, and is sent off in what I can only describe as something that wasn't even a foul, let alone a yellow card. It, Dennis, you know, goes to go past him. Uh, he doesn't even touch him. In my, from my perspective, he didn't even touch him. I've not seen it. I haven't watched it that closely back. But I thought that the ref realised he made a big boo-boo and thought, right, I need to kind of level it up here. Um, in terms of the goal, you know, not giving the goal. I think, you know, the Dean Lewinson one, we're not going to defend as a sending off. We're just going to yeah, say... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dude. Like, if it was anyone else, I probably would be very angry. <laughs> if win, lose, or draw, especially if we lost, I would have been very angry. But I think with it being Dino, we can kind of give him a pass on that one. Uh, happy 900 professional games <laughs> as well. 800 uh, league it, starts as well. 800 league. Uh, no, 800 league starts and 900 league games, isn't it? So yeah, yeah, yeah. So congratulations, Dean. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think. Um, yeah, anyone else, and we would be livid. Um, and in terms of of the Will Boyle challenge, not a chance in hell was it even a foul, let alone yeah. a second yellow card. So yeah, to me that was the ref making a gesture, if you know what I mean. And um, like you can see the reaction from the Wrexham players on that yellow card, like they are genuinely like absolutely dumbfounded. And I mean. We've seen the reaction of when the goal that wasn't, and they look absolutely sh- shit scared, you know, for want of a better word. The, poor, the goalkeeper, bless him, he's looking up as if someone's about to, I don't know, murder his family. <laughs> so, you know, it's just one of them where he's, he's like, oh, oh no, what's happening here? And then, and then they get, you know, and then they look just so scared and sheepish, I think the word is. Um, and then, contrast that to the, when the red card comes out for Boyle and I think their reaction says it all because yeah I do not think it was a red card yeah to be fair I, I watched it live and I didn't think it was a yellow and obviously watching the replays you get a different angle of it all and like yeah, the goal to be fair and um, yeah it, it didn't feel like a, a second yellow to me but obviously we take it and it felt like after that it was a bit of a tennis match really obviously Don definitely had their chances I don't know how Joe Tomlinson didn't score in that game. He had so many chances. And obviously that keeper and it was, was not only saving goals inside his goal, but also outside of it. Um, and obviously Paul Mullen had quite a few chances, uh, but as some of the other Wrexham lads did. And uh, I think he, he offered me a point before the game. I would have taken it. I did say to quite a few people, like if it was 1-1 at the end and I had the chance, I'll be going for the win 100%, particularly in our situation. And I definitely would have still done that, knowing all the context that we did get throughout the game. But again, it's it's two points that we rightfully earned, in my opinion, based on the goal that wasn't. And it would have been a vital two points. So obviously, it takes a point off Wrexham, puts us um, three points closer to where I think what two points off automatics at that point. And mm. now we're four points off, same amount of games, I believe. And Admittedly, we still have to play Mansfield twice, obviously Stockport again, but it's a big blow. Yeah, I think it was, it was definitely, it was just, it's, I think it was more because the game, how the magnitude of the game that made it so frustrating as well, because I actually thought in terms of the game itself, I thought the first half was really cagey and then, and nothing, we, we didn't really create anything, but we controlled yeah. the ball quite well. 
and then they scored and then we started coming out a little bit more and we got we got a great goal ourselves um really well worked and Dan Kemp just showing you know I think it's because he didn't think about it he just turned and shot he was like oh there we go that's what we've not that's what, what we've not been seeing so now he's got two goals and an assist in seven or eight games back for us which I think is yeah. a bad return not a bad return at all um and then they came out second half and they were much the better team, I think. I really do think they were much the better team. But within that, you've got Joe, Joe Tomlinson, who had two long-range shots. The first, which, just before half-time, the keeper makes an unbelievable save. And the second of which, he then absolutely ha- makes an absolute howler. Um, <laughs> and then in injury time, he makes an unbelievable save again at the near post. So I think the keeper was... Um, you know, very instrumental in the game. But in terms of actual chances, you know, Wrexham had, I guess, let's now move on to Michael Kelly, Liam. Yeah, I mean, what a performance, right? I mean... He had, yeah, he he had the 10-minute, he had sort of the 10-minute period where we were a man down. And, you know, I know people might have said, yeah, they had the best, better of it. But so much of their crosses were cut out by him being brave, um, being committed, rising above them, and also just keeping a clean pair of hands, which is so difficult when everything's just gone batshit crazy around you. He had the, he was just calm. He slowed things down. He put a few good balls in, you know, like good clearances to get us go down the pitch, and he just helped ease the tension, I think. And that was so pivotal at that point of the game. And then when it did become ten versus ten, it was a lot more basketball you know and it was and it again needed he needed a couple of times just to come out for a cross and claim it and if you actually think about it they didn't really have like many clear cut clear cut chances from these crosses because I think Kelly stopped a lot of them really yeah um, I'm just so impressed with how he's done and I think yeah we might have rode our luck at times like I think in the first half there was one where he he came running out (laughs) then headed it out and uh, <laughs> luckily one of our defenders was there to pick it up and I think there was another one where there was a clearance that went a bit awry but you can tell he's not he's not trying to piss around with it he is genuinely trying to like make positive actions on the ball and be positive and and I think by and large he was really solid and I think especially when we were down to 10 men he was absolutely fantastic so whether this is the last time we see him or, you know, whether we see him for the rest of the season, I'm just I'm just so impressed with how he's just slotted in. Uh, especially, I think, after what we have seen of him in the past in maybe the, um, the is it the Bristol Street Motors games? It is now, yeah. Yeah, the Pete, old Pizza Cup um, and also the Reading game where I think if you'd have told us Kelly was starting... You know, two months ago, we'd been like, oh, right, okay. Um, but now it's like, yeah, fine, whatever. He's, he's he's really, really made an impact. So for that, I'm delighted for the guy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, we have no idea when, when Marshall will be back fit again, even, even at all for this season. But I think keeper such a momentum position in terms of once you're in, you kind of need to stay in, really. Um, it's such a high-risk position to try and switch. Twi- um, like swap out keepers for keeper for keeper. So 
yeah, I mean, hey, if he can keep this form up for the rest of the season, um, then fantastic for him. Obviously, he's had his contract extended to the end of the season, which is great news. Um, so now he was on a bit of a part sort of a part-time basis up until that point. Um, but yeah, some great performances. Obviously, last night was by far his best so far, and uh, hopefully, he can keep it up. We've had, um, I think, four keepers in six weeks. That's ridiculous, haven't we? Because you've got Matt Deliveray, who was at Doncaster on New Year's Day, and then Harness at Bradford, Marshall six or seven, five or six games, and then Kelly for two or three games himself. So, yeah, it's um, that's what I mean when I said you know it looks like you know he's had a run of games now and he's looked settled, which is nice. So, um, yeah, I yeah. mean any. The only other thing, I guess, with Wrexham, did you want to talk about anything maybe we could have done better, do you think? Um, it's kind of hard to say because I felt like the whole second half was kind of overshadowed by that incident. I felt it like, turned it well, just into pure chaos in my mind. Yeah, I, yeah. It, it was so frantic that I thought that actually, you know, and I know it's easy to say it now, but it's almost like, you know, in some of these counterattacks, if someone like Gilby just sort of, just paused for, for a second and just, you know, just, just slowed it down a little bit. You know, who knows how it could have gone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't think so. I, I think it. I think if I'm in Mike Williamson and, and um, in Ian Watson's shoes and the rest of the coaches have shoes, I'm kind of like to them, okay, there's little bits here and there you could do, but overall, like, including them, I think the occasion, the, the occasion took over in many senses and, to be fair, it was the best League Two game I've watched in ages, particularly involving us. Like, I think it was yeah. such an end to end game. It was a slow and... burner, mind. Yeah, yeah. So much drama as well towards the end. Like, it was a great game of football, it really was. Yeah, if you were watching, if, if, say, you know, that's, if this is the sort of thing you see in like the Champions League, you know, second leg of a quarter final, and, you know, it's, it was that sort of vibe, weren't it? It was just absolute pure chaos. And um, I think, I think both teams played a part of it because I think, you could tell that both teams were good teams, if that makes sense as well. Absolutely. I think that's why the first half was so tight, which is why it was so mental that the second half was so open when it was so tight before. It was just, it just ignited into life, which I thought was really, it was good fun. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I suppose we'll, we'll end on this final point. And again, I apologize, just heart back to the goal that wasn't. Um, obviously, the Premier League and the Championship have, um, like, in terms of goal line technology, they have the watches that go off when the ball goes into the net. I, I think, I think that on Tuesday night kind of indicates that probably League One and League Two might need it as well. I think VAR they obviously cannot do because of sort of stadiums we go to every week. Um, but that the watch system could definitely be implemented, in my opinion. I don't know what your thoughts are on it. Well, as with anything, mate, I think it just comes purely down to money. Um, yeah, because I think you know with VAR, even if we could afford it, whether or not we want it is a different conversation. However, with the goal line technology, I think you'd struggle to find anyone arguing against it because, as far as I'm concerned, it's yes or a no. And the only time where it's a a, a situation where it might not be 100% accurate was, do you remember the first game back after COVID, Sheffield United um... versus Aston Villa. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that the only reason that happened was because I think there was like 10 people in the goal line that actually the cameras were obscured or they couldn't say with certainty either way what happened. So, you know, I think 99.99% of the time it is going to be correct and it is based on 
like science and fact. It's not based on a referee deciding whether or not he's going, whether or not Matey Boy has handballed it after it being twatted at his twatted at him <laughs> from three yards away. And you know that is it's not re-refereeing the game. It is literally a fact, isn't it? So I think it's just purely a money thing, personally, um, because otherwise there's no reason not to have it, right? Yeah, well, in my in my eyes, yeah, absolutely. On the goal line technology, that is VAR. Yeah, that's Liam. Yeah, let's it's not a no-go. let's it's a no-go. not su- let's not sully our podcast with the uh, the 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 VAR debate because it's been being done on every radio station and podcast and TV show to do with football every week all the time and it's quite boring to be honest well mate for for, for even for league one it's not a debate like even in championship it's yeah. not a debate it's not possible um but yeah. obviously guys technology absolutely is and i think if there was more money into it um that and getting the referees actually full-time instead of part-time is is such a big thing to do um for the future of the leagues because well that, there's yeah there's things like so for instance um i think you know and i don't mean to just pick out this one referee or you know, I'm, not, I'm only doing it because I, I know it. I know about it, like prop, know about the story. But like, there's some referees, for instance, I think Declan Drysdale is one. Like he's a full time like major in the army or something. And, yeah. You know, when you're doing that job, that job's probably paying you a lovely old wage. But being an EFL referee, it's good. It can top you up with some money. Now, I think that the clubs earn enough between them to be able to sustain. You know, let's face it. It's if you've got a group of say. 30 referees that do League 1 and League 2 effectively you need to then sustain 30 extra players if you want in inverted commas between 48 clubs I definitely think that there's a you know but then we, you know would each team and we have to pay for referees anyway so yeah. you know, if each team pays oh here we go I'm doing my back of the fag pack maths again you know each team pays a grand a week or something I don't, I, I don't know and then all, all you pay a certain amount per week or per game. It all gets put into a pot, and 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 that pot is then distributed to the referees. Or even again, this is where Premier League can come in and help with the structures that are in place. You know, it, it's something where for them it's so nominal and doesn't make a difference. The PGMOL can say, right, the Premier League needs to contribute an extra so and so, so we can maintain professionalism throughout the pyramid. Um, there would definitely be ways to do it. Um, yeah, and yeah, no, so, I completely uh, agree, mate. And when it when it's like you know hundreds of thousands, if not millions, at stake when it comes to decisions like what happened on Tuesday, like you need the right people there to make those decisions and all the technology into those decisions. And when that's not there, it kind of obviously it happened to us. We're gonna get the violins out a little bit, but it's been happening well for most weeks with Wrexham games at the moment, and it's it's just yeah, really, I it, think it can't happen going forwards. Yeah, I mean, Mike Williamson's been, I think some people are, um, uh, some, I won't say people, I mean, Rex yeah, mainly not from the UK, are suggesting that Mike Williamson has suggested that Wrexham are part of a corrupt, you know, a corruption ring in the league or something. And I don't think it's that. I think he's just simply said, it's almost the Manchester United at Old Trafford sort of thing where subconsciously they've, you know, they're, Wrexham just get decisions because they're such a behemoth at the moment in this league. And I think as well, another thing which um, we haven't mentioned is what a fantastic crowd there was at Stadium MK. Yeah, yeah. It was, was, was 11,000 12, in the 000, Yeah, 11,500 yeah, yeah. for a Tuesday night game. 
I've not seen the East stand that packed all season. And okay, I know it was half term, but and I know it was because Wrexham were in town, but that was absolutely fantastic. I thought I was looking, you know, we on Don's because for Don's action, we like to you know keep people updated and ticket sales and encourage ticket sales. And I was like, oh, are they taking like some blocks off sale for some reason? And I was like, oh no, it's actually sold out. That you know, <laughs> like, the East stand was actually sold out. I was like, oh, or one of the blocks was. I thought, oh, right, okay, so they're not just like taking them off sale. It's actually selling. So. Yeah, no, brilliant to see, and hopefully, you know, if you were one of the people that that was there and um, and has come across the podcast, we'd love to see you back. I'm sure. I tell you what, you couldn't have wished for much more entertaining game, could you? I mean, if that adds <laughs> an extra five hundred to our gate on Tuesday on Saturday, then that's brilliant, isn't it? I think, you know, it, it, we've all got to start somewhere, and if people come in to their local team because they've seen a documentary on Wrexham, then so be it. That's what I mean. Like, I think they literally couldn't have picked a better game to go to this year. I mean, obviously, let's say, don't know right now, what we could we could get a playoff home game this season. But I think outside of that, potentially, that's probably the biggest game we'll have in terms of excitement and probably buzz all season at home. So, no, it's good to see that some fans came out. And obviously, I hope they, as you said, I hope they come Saturday against Newport, um, as well as the remaining home games for the season, for sure. I definitely think that, and this is again in hindsight, and it's too late. And I didn't think about it at the time, but wouldn't it have been great if they did like a half term offer and did like you know a two for it, it did a deal for like the two. I know for the two games over the half term period or whatever. But thing is, I do know that there are a certain amount of deals you are allowed to do per year, and we already yeah. do sort of family fun days and stuff. So it might have been impossible anyway. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's just good good though that to see that. With the right circumstances, there is the 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 pull for people to still come. So hopefully, we just see a bit more of that. And you know, ultimately, it's the football is on football on the pitch is what's going to drive um, off the pitch, isn't it? In terms of the of course. getting bigger and so yeah, it's just nice. It was nice. Yeah, no, we we we've banged that um, on the pitch, off the pitch drum for so so long, and it, I think yeah, I think these next couple of months are going to prove it. I think we are going to see. More fans in the stadium cheering on the lads, and yeah, hopefully they can get it over the line, whether that be in the top three or, of course, via the playoffs. But yeah, it's going to be a exciting end to the season. The lads are playing well, and uh, hopefully, outside of any dodgy referee decisions, we'll be well on our way. Okay, we will take a short little break, then we'll get into another Welsh clash against uh, Newport this time. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. So, Newport County at home on Saturday, uh, the second of two 
uh, games against Welsh opposition, uh, Asena and Kay this week. Newport, interesting team. Um, obviously, you know, they're, they're not up there in terms of league, but they're in that sort of playoff hunt, you could say. Um, well, so is our home. bloody league, Liv. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, obviously, seventh I think was it, like 10 teams with three points off playoffs, something like that? Yeah, 7th to 16th, for those that aren't aware, is separated by three points. Um, we're yes, eight yeah. points further on, I think. So we're, we've got a healthy margin, but by no means we're, we're yeah. guaranteed playoffs. At exactly. A, f- a couple of games and we can right back into it, couldn't we? So we need to be careful. But um, yeah, obviously Newport, I think, are one of those teams who have definitely benefited off their home form this year. But at the moment, they've been one of the, the form teams in the league, actually. So yeah, Don's, I think over the last 15, uh, as Joe pointed out to me before recording, uh, are top of the league in terms of points gained, 27. Uh, but Newport just just behind us on twenty six, and they've been very reliant on that on their on their home <coughs> for the whole season. But um, a bit recently away from home as well. So since since Christmas, they've only lost the one game in the league, and that was to Notts County at home. But they've been the likes of obviously Warsaw, who are flying at the moment, um, Gillingham as well, who got a result against Stockport in midweek, they beat Wrexham of course, who we just played. So not a bad team at all. Um, a good stat to point out actually is that against teams in the top 10 that currently haven't won an away game yet this year, so they've played uh, Mansfield, Wrexham, Crew, and Notts County, and they've lost um, those games 2 0 twice, 4 2 and 3 0. Um, I mean, they did beat Gillingham 2 0 away from home actually, so that's a bit of a but you get you get the feeling they struggle away from home, uh, particularly against those top top teams like Mansfield, Crew, and uh, Wrexham, as mentioned. So, you know, it, it's uh, this is a game where in those scenarios. The teams around us have won the game uh, in, on, on the most case. So it's a game that you'd like to say we can pick up three points in. And I think in terms of Newport style, they're they're very standoffish. Um, they will press in the right areas. So they are top five in terms of pressing data. Um, but it's very much from a sort of high turnover perspective. So they're trying to turn us over in our, our own sort of defensive third. So the, obviously the likes of Will Evans, Tetra at front, they can get onto the ball and try and create high sort of volume chances from there and maybe utilise the wing play as well, which they're very much used to doing from obviously had Cameron Norman last season and that's kind of stuck with them throughout this season as well in terms of using their wing play and trying to get down the wings in that way. But um, they're a team that you don't want to concede first to. Um, they like protecting their leads for sure. Um, so I think for Dons, again, it's going to be the case of, I reckon, starting quite quickly in this one, making sure that we, we actually... I'm hoping after the Wrexham result, we have a, a bit of fire in our belly and we actually go for this Newport team quite early. Uh, and yeah, hopefully get a couple of goals nice and early, you know, settle the game down, play our football and we'll go from there. But Joe, was there any, was there any like personnel from Newport that you were looking out for in this game? Um, yeah, I think when um, we played them last time, it was Omar Bogle caused us a few issues. But I think, yeah, Will Evans, he's, he's the main man up front. Um, they had a few just decent players, I think. And I think, actually, as time goes by, our nil-nil away at Newport looks a bit of a better result than actually we maybe thought at the time, especially considering we missed two or three absolute sitters that game. Yeah, We'd, And um, I think they've beaten two of the top three at, at home as well. I, I, just off the top of my head. Yeah, Wrexham and uh, Stockport, I believe. Yeah, yeah so they've be- yeah, they've beaten Wrexham and Stockport at home. So, you know, they're... They're not taking any prisoners at home. But then the team that did beat them was Notts County. And we did get some joy against Newport. We just didn't take our chances. And Notts County are a team that I'd say are fairly similar in play style to us. So that does bode well, I think, in terms of um, in terms of the matchup. And I think 
you know, we did see that we would, we did dominate the ball against them. And I think that's why Bate and Payne personally for me are going to be the two key men for us. Um, if you think back to when we played Gillingham at home, it was well documented that we weren't great <laughs> that game, to, to put it mildly. And I think that ball speed, moving the ball quickly, putting Newport out of position on a big pitch, I think is going to be key to us unlocking their defence. Um, I think as well, last time, obviously, we had that big Tuesday game against AFC Wimbledon. It was the Gillingham game that followed and we were a little bit just not quite at the races. So maybe a couple of changes, but he did take pain often near about half with half an hour or so. To yeah, go. yeah. So he should be nice and fresh. Um, and I think bait and pain is the way to go in midfield because I think you just need that ball playing ability. And and um, so, yeah, I, I think um, that's the way to go. And I think that I think that we've definitely got what it takes. You said as well, the games they've played away from home to the top teams, they have conceded a few goals as well. So I think if we're serious about promotion, uh, this needs to be one we win. Um, I do think as well that I think we've got the third best home record in the league. Yeah, we're up um, there. Which is sure. really good. You know, so our home record has been absolutely fantastic since Mike Williamson has come in. And it's quite a contrast, actually, because I was saying to um, someone the other day, the last two years, I think we've had such a high proportion of our points away from home. You think of the season, the Liam Manning season, and then obviously last season. Last season, we I think we won six or seven away from home, but we won like three at home. And then the season before, you think of all the games we won away from home, the likes of Cambridge, Wickham, um, uh, Sunderland, uh, Rotherham, games like that. We won so many games away from home. And I think that's a lot of the time because we'd be compact and we were quite good at counter-attacking, you know, with the likes of Twine and et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, it's really nice to see that actually our home form's a real strong point. And, you know, Stadium MK, the fortress, whisper it, but um, <laughs> don't use that as the headline, Liam. On the, but, um, you know, I think it's it's holding true because, and I think if only maybe for the fact of the pitch as well, you know, the pitch is, is getting a bit of green on it now with it, you know, sun coming out a bit more. We haven't had like the frost in recent weeks and um, we're, we're, we're popping it around nicely. And I think that, that you know, we saw at Newport the, how compact and tight the pitch is. But I think hopefully we can really impose our style. I, th- I don't think it will be like an Accrington or um, a Gillingham. I do think that we will have a little bit more joy, hopefully. So, um, But a team that are banging form, you know, after 15 games there, 27 points and we've got 29 I think or, or 27 and 26 I think so plenty to play for um, but I think I think it's a job that we can do and I think we'll get the job done ourselves Yeah no it has potential to be a bit of a banana skin for sure I mean as you mentioned you, know, you look at the form table a second there and they are getting results um, this maybe not away from home against these bigger teams so yeah I think I think our, our stadium and our facilities at this, at this level anyway offer something that not many clubs at level are used to. Um, so we always speak about Sadon K kind of being this sort of theatre for these players to come to and show their stuff. And I think for most clubs, that is the case. And I think Newport will be exactly the same here. Obviously, we didn't particularly struggle against Newport at all, but their pitch is definitely a lot more narrow compared to ours. So I'd like to think that, as you mentioned, Joe, with the ball speed, having those sort of little tricky players who can get in between and get in the gaps and sort of spread the play about a bit more, that should help us out a lot. And 
allow the likes of um, Wern, Gilby, and even maybe the likes of Lofthouse once he gets into the team after Norman's injury, a bit more space on those wings and uh, really uh, like get behind the defence and uh, hopefully get some goals. And can I just add as well, I think that Dunn Harvey has been our best defender in the last two games. I thought he was our best player at Bradford and I think he looks a million times better at left centre-back than he does on wing-back. And yeah. I, I just wanted to say, I think he's been bloody fantastic. So, um, yeah, I think we've really missed him not being... And I think, you know, obviously Lewington, I know, has been filling in in that role, but they're different players and I think that... But I think they're, they're very different players, but I think they offer very similar things in terms of, you know, they step out really well. They're both really good, good and composed on the ball. So, um yeah, I, I just wanted to. Just, I couldn't just let let him go without a mention because I think he's been absolutely fantastic. Yeah, no, he has been very good, and uh, yeah, I think he's suited Rob really well, as you mentioned. Okay, well, thank you very much for listening to this episode. I appreciate it. It's been a bit of a longer one this week, but obviously, a lot to talk about, and obviously, I'm sure you'll be keen to hear our thoughts on definitely certain topics about this week's games. Um, obviously, AFC tickets are on sale for the away game on sale to season ticket holders currently. Um, we do believe it's going to sell out in this category. So I don't think it's category three. So if you are a season ticket holder, make sure to grab your ticket before the weekend closes. Um, and of course, the box office will be open prior to the kickoff um, against Newport on Saturday. So yeah, we will see you on Saturday as always. And until then, come on you dons. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.